Church history. Light amid the darkness is seen in the life of Luther. London, G. Morrish, 20, Paternoster Square, before 1915. Republished by Irving Risch, host of Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded podcast. Chapter 31. Luther's Old Age and Death, A.D. 1534-1546. Infirmities had been increasing upon Luther, but he steadily went on with his work as long as his strength lasted. He finished translating the Old Testament, it had been published in parts, but was issued complete in 1534. This was a great work. In itself it was a revolution. Every Christian could now read for himself all God had caused to be written, take nothing second-hand, know what was truth and what was not. On the other hand, all Germany could now read for themselves God's way of salvation. They had been taught that there was no salvation out of the Romish church, and the Romish priests were the doorkeepers of that church, now they could see for themselves that of any one it was written. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. The word of God said, He that hath the Son, hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God, hath not life. 1 John chapter 5 verse 12. Union with the Son of God was life, not with the Pope or anything of his. The word said, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 1 John chapter 2 verse 1, and, if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. Not a word about confessing to the priest, nor penances, nor needing the priest's absolution. They could go direct to God and get his forgiveness. It also corrected abuses. Instead of the Pope being God's vicar on earth, he was never even once named in the Bible. The Lord's Supper was certainly taken in both kinds, in the days of the Apostles, who had restricted it to one kind. The bishop is there said to be the husband of one wife, 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 2, and there is to be no forbidding to marry, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 3, who then had invented the celibacy of the priests. And so of many other things. The light, the light of God's word, had appeared amid the darkness, and the common people could now meet the priests with a, thus saith the Lord, in opposition to their constant cry of, thus saith the church, or the Pope, or the councils, or the fathers. As the word of God became the authority, so all other authorities sank into their own littleness and vanity. With the Old Testament as well as the New they could contrast the Jewish dispensation with that of Christ, and be able to see how in many things Rome clung to the former in preference to the latter. In God's hands Luther had been the means of this light shining upon Germany. If he had done nothing else, this in itself was a great work. Now he was getting old and infirm. He had worn himself out in his master's cause, still he taught, he preached, he wrote, but was sometimes so weak that he had to be carried to his home. He also commenced a revision of his edition of the Bible. He called around him the pious and learned, one with his Hebrew Bible, another the Greek, another the Latin, and by careful comparison they sought to make the translation more correct. A nearer transcript of what God had caused to be written. Another work that Luther accomplished was to write a catechism for children, called the Little Catechism, besides his larger catechism. In his visitations he observed how very faulty were the schoolmasters in their religious instruction. Of course they could not teach what they did not know, but Luther was anxious that the light should also shine into the hearts of the little ones. So he wrote for them, the little catechism, and he afterwards rejoiced that lads and young maidens knew more of God and of Christ than many of the priests had ever known. Three times had plagues broken out at Wittenberg, 1516, 1527, 1535, when most who were able fled from the town for safety. But Luther on each occasion remained at his post, he visited the sick and administered relief and comfort. In 1527 even the university was removed to Jena, but Luther remained. 
Lord, I am in thy hand, said he, thou hast fixed me here, thy will be done. The plague was carried in the clothes and two of Luther's children were taken ill. I am like a dying man, said he, and yet I live. His children recovered, and at the end of the year he exclaimed, God hath shown himself wondrously merciful to us. In 1537 Luther was taken dangerously ill. He had travelled to Smallcalde, but had to take to his bed. Here the elector John visited and comforted him. The good God, our Lord, said the elector, will be merciful unto us and prolong your life. If taken home, the prince declared that Luther's wife and children should have his special care. He sent two in every direction for anything thought to be of any help for Luther's recovery. The Lord removed the disease, and Luther regained his health. Luther felt for the people, and none were beneath his notice. There was a man named Hans Kolhays, a sort of captain of banditti, and who attracted great attention. He had been respectable but had suffered a series of real or imagined injuries, without redress from the rulers, which so aroused his strong and vigorous mind that he became an outlaw and a robber, and joined with any who opposed the state. To this man Luther wrote and invited him to visit him secretly. One day a knock came at Luther's door, and he thought at once that perhaps it was Colhays. He would answer the door himself. It was he. Luther conducted him quietly to his own room, and sent for Melanchthon and a few others. They heard the man's tale of his losses and injuries, and they promised to do what they could to have justice done to him. In the meantime he promised to abstain from all further violence. They sat with him till late at night, giving him good advice and in the morning he stole away unknown and unobserved. The exertions of Luther and his friends on his behalf were fruitless, and again he took to his robbery and violence. He was at length captured, and executed in 1540. Luther had done his best to reclaim and save the robber. On September 20, 1542, Luther was called to a new trial. The grim enemy, death entered his dwelling, and removed his daughter Magdalene. During her illness Luther had prayed earnestly for her recovery. He said at her bedside, I love her much, but if it be thy will, O God, to take her I shall gladly know her to be with thee. As he saw her end approaching, he said to her, Magdalene, my little daughter, thou wouldst gladly remain here with thy father, but thou wilt also readily go to thy other father. Yes, dear father, as God wills, said the dying child. And she passed away. Though Luther enjoyed much happiness in his family circle and among his friends, yet there was much within and without to loosen his hold of this earth. The world is tired of me, said he, and I am tired of it, we shall easily part. As a guest leaves his hotel not unwillingly. In 1546 Luther was invited to Eisleben to assist in settling a dispute between the Dukes of Mansfeld and some of their subjects respecting some mines and land. Luther was related to some of the disputants, which was naturally a reason why he should not have gone, but the princes had confidence in him as a just and upright man, and he was chosen. He set out with his three sons. His wife parted with him in sorrow, she had a sort of presentiment that she should never see him again alive. He wrote to comfort her, reminding her that God was almighty. Therefore rest in peace, my dearest Kate, said he. Upon reaching Halle, he was so unwell that Dr. Jonas resolved to accompany him. In crossing Sala the water had so swollen that they were in great danger of all going to the bottom. However they crossed in safety. At the frontiers of Mansfeld he was met by the dukes and a number of attendants. On the 17th of February his illness increased, yet he was enabled to walk about the room. At length he seemed struck with a thought, I was born and baptized at Eisleben, said he, what if I should remain and even die here? He supped and seemed cheerful. But after supper his illness increased, and he retired to bed. But about midnight he arose and walked about his room. He felt his end was approaching, and his friends were called around him. 
Then he prayed, saying, O eternal and merciful God, my heavenly Father, I thank thee that thou hast revealed to me thy Son Jesus Christ, in whom I have believed, whom I have preached, whom I have confessed, whom I love and worship as my dear Saviour and Redeemer. Though I must lay down this body, yet know I assuredly that I shall dwell with thee forever, and that none can pluck me out of thy hands. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He was silent. He was asked if he died in the belief of the doctrines of Christ as he had preached them. He gave an emphatic, yes, and his spirit took its fright. He was buried at Wittenberg. An inscription in Latin tells the visitor where the body lies. He was only 63 years and a few months, but he had been worn out in his master's service. Often have I gone to him unawares, said Melanchthon, and found him dissolved in tears and prayers for the Church of Christ. As we have proceeded with Luther's history his natural character for boldness and intrepidity have often been seen. His tenacity to what he believed to be true was another mark of his character, but which unhappily was as great when he was wrong as when he was right. Erasmus said also of him, God has sent in this latter age a violent physician, on account of the magnitude of the existing disorders. But above his faults, and who is faultless? We bless God for the grace given to him. Humanly speaking, again and again one and another would have given way and compromised the truth, but for the staunch and unbending zeal and energy of Martin Luther. Above all, he was God's servant, raised up to do a special work for him. It may be said that he was to blame in his behavior to the Swiss Christians, and in the matter of Philip of Hesse's two wives. True, also that he failed to restore to the church its heavenly character. True. But he brought to light the great truth of justification by faith, maintaining this truth in spite of all the opposition of the powers of darkness and the enmity of Rome. This of itself undermined the fabric of Rome. Priestcraft, penances, absolutions, indulgences all fell into the shade as faith arose in the horizon. Another great work Luther was called to do for God was to give to the Germans the word of God in their mother tongue. It is true increased light and further knowledge of the original tongues have pronounced his work of translation to be faulty, but we doubt not he did it faithfully according to the light he had. And for which thousands heartily thanked the God. The scripture, as we have seen, was God's light that shone into many a dark corner, and judged and made manifest the gross darkness all around. If it was a question of forgiveness, it said, the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. If it was a question of justification. Being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9. If it was a question of mediation. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. If it was a question of access to God, we have a great high priest, that is passed into the heavens. Jesus the Son of God. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14, 16. He hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. If it was purgatory. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the saints in light. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. If it was the Mass. By one offering he hath perfected for ever them that are sanctified. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. There is no more sacrifice for sins. Verse 26. If it was confession, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. And 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. Confess your faults one to another. James chapter 5 verse 16.
if it was the Lord's Supper in both kinds, or the marriage of the priests. The scripture which Luther had put into the hands of all was equally plain. Thus God raised up Luther to do a work for him, and he did it. God took him home. We are not all Luthers, it may be none of us are. But, if Christians, we are God's workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. He has for each a work to do. When we have done it, he will take us home, or Christ will come to fetch us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 to 17. May we be so walking and so working as to please him, and be found to be overcomers, in his strength, amid the surrounding evil, and at length receive that white stone of his approval, on which is written a new name which no man knows but he that receives it. Revelations, 17. I need no other plea with which to approach to God than his own mercy, boundless, free, through Christ on man bestowed, a father's love, a father's care receives and answers every prayer. I need no human ear in which to pour my prayer, my great high priest is ever near, on him I cast my care, to him, him only, I confess, who can alone absolve and bless. I need no works by me, wrought with laborious care, to form a meritorious plea, why I heaven's bliss should share, Christ's finished work through boundless grace has there secured my dwelling place. I need no prayers to saints, beads, relics, martyrs' shrines, hardships, neath which the spirit faints, yet still sore burdened pines, Christ's service yields my soul delight, easy his yoke, his burden light. I need no other book to guide my steps to heaven, than that on which I daily look, by God's own spirit given, and this when he illumes our eyes. Unto salvation makes us wise. I need no holy oil to anoint my lips in death, no priestly power, my guilt to assoil, and aid my parting breath. Long since those words bade fears to cease, thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace. I need no priestly mass, no purgatorial fires, my soul to anneal, my guilt to efface when this brief life expires. Christ died my eternal life to win, his blood has cleansed me from all sin. I need no other dress, I urge no other claim, than his unspotted righteousness in him complete I am, heaven's portals at that word fly wide, no passport do I need beside.